I'm Bob Sullivan, the new host of AARP's The Perfect Scam Podcast. And with Frank Abagnale and other top fraud experts, we're bringing you brand new episodes of America's most shocking scam stories. I got an email alerting me to 22 accounts that had been opened up in my name. Scam was masterfully designed. New episodes available now. Subscribe to The Perfect Scam Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. I'm Allie J. And I'm Crystal O. And welcome to Not Your Token Black Girl, where we recover from spreading black girl magic wherever we go. From careers and cocktails to men and mental health, we're breaking it all down on what it means to wear the token crown. So if you've ever said, I'm not your token, fill in the blank, then this podcast is for you. A fun and witty show that's a little bit shady, but 100% true. It's Saturday brunch combo with the girls in a quick 20 minutes. Now let's get started. On today's episode of Not Your Token Black Girl, we're discussing Beyonce, Michelle, Issa, Amanda, and the journey Black women go through to obtaining the freedom to show up as their authentic selves everywhere they go. So, Beyonce. There are so many things we could say about Queen B. Yes. Yes. But what I want to talk about today is her journey from Texas, Texas Girls Do It Better, um, to this global powerhouse and how she has brought Black women with her on her journey, continues to reach back and bring Black creatives, Black artists, um, especially now that she is an established global powerhouse. And other women like Amanda Seals, Issa Rae, Michelle Obama, I mean, the list could go on and on. Just talking about their their different journeys to success and how they're constantly pouring back into those that are coming behind them. Yeah. Um, you know, I think um, we also have a little bit of Beyonce, Michelle, Issa, Amanda in us. Obviously we're black female business owners and the people we hire uh, the people we partner with are movers and shakers or people that we might see our younger selves in. Um, I know there's someone on my team right now, our communications manager, who I'm like, this girl is a rock star in the making, and I see so much of myself in her. She's a go-getter. I want to have this person on my team and just be a part of her journey to stardom. What do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, just thinking about the journey that black women have to take and now you know they're getting i think we're all getting to this point where we feel comfortable to reach back and say and pull other black women with us and other black people so that we're all moving forward together and i don't honest if i'm being real right and again these are things we've talked about i don't feel like that's always been the case i feel like there's always been this like Un, unspoken competition within yeah. the community of black women and I think even if you look at like Beyonce's experience or you know with Destiny's Child and like 
it, you know, if we're talking about Beyonce, right? Like, yeah. and I am a huge Beyonce fan. Love her. Love Destiny's Child. That's my whole thing. Yes. Uh, but think we have to think about that experience, right? Like her journey and having to kind of navigate that all the way to now being at this comfort level where it's like, okay, I'm pulling up all my black people. I'm gonna have all black dancers. I'm gonna make sure they're all sizes. I'm gonna make sure I'm helping my community and I'm putting out content and I'm showing up at the Super Bowl dressed like I'm Black Panther so they know what it is. Yeah. You know, but there was a journey that it took to get there. And I think that, you know, even on my personal journey, and I'm sure you could probably say the same thing, like it wasn't always like that. And I think no. it's important for us as Black women to call that out and talk about how that changed, like how we're all evolving and how we change that moving forward. You know? Yeah. I know when I first started my career, I was in PR and I did public relations and communications for um, professional athletes, politicians, um, and in large global brands. And looking back at myself then, um, my hair was always in a particular style. My clothes were never, I was never gonna push the envelope with my clothes. Um, everything down to my nail polish color, everything was catered to trying to get to that next level um, based on what I thought my white managers were looking for in a black person, a black woman to promote. Yeah. Um, I never, I permed my hair, which, you know, I know you perm your hair. I'm natural now. Um, but I, I would perm my hair. Um, very rarely did I have my hair braided. If I did, it was always in a very neat put together bun to show, yes, I'm ethnic, but I'm not too ethnic. So you don't overlook me. So I don't offend yeah. you. So I make you uncomfortable. But as I grew up, as I got more established in my career and then obviously ultimately changed careers into HR and now, especially as a business owner, I don't give a damn. Okay, I'm wearing my natural hair, even though my mom hates it, whatever. Um, Thanks, girl. Um, even I will have twists down to my buttocks. I will wear funky clothes. Um, I have worn you know, shirts that say Black Lives Matter. I am just more free now, always professional, but I felt in my journey, I had to play by their rules and prove that I deserved to be where I was and deserved my seat at the table um, or prove that I could build my own damn table um, before I was able to shed that, those pressures and truly be myself. Part of it, I think, is self-preservation, which is sad. It's the world that we live in. And some of it, I think for me, it took a little while for me to mature and get comfortable in my skin that I could show up as my full self no matter yeah. what it was. Yeah, and do you think that's like, um, what's that term? So like, I talked to my aunt pretty in depth about this one day because I was really... I was real, pre we had an episode and I got off and I was like, I was so pressed about what I said on the episode. Cause I was just like, I don't want it to be perceived a certain way. And so I went over to my aunt and I was talking to her and I was telling her, you know, just all these different emotions that I was feeling. And it's specifically, cause during the episode, I think we were talking about 
the need to kind of change in certain spaces. Like when we go to work and like, and she talked to me about code switching. Right. Yes. And like, I hadn't really thought through that and it made me think about my journey even more. And I was like, okay, is this like the way that I am is like, I want to make sure at all moments, I'm just being authentic to who I am. Right. And not feeling the need to code switch. And I think on, again, on this journey, that's been my biggest thing is I've kind of transformed into not like, I don't, care to be anything but who I am you know like yeah and that's that's again a part of this cultural renaissance and with people leading the charge like Beyonce and Issa and Michelle Obama like I feel like they've really made it to where and it's exciting to me just within our community I'm like this is dope because I feel this like privilege yeah you know like and Charlemagne did that black privilege book I haven't got to read it but just the title gives my soul joy because yes there this cultural renaissance has created this thing where it's like i feel privileged to be a black woman i don't want to be anything else i want to make sure that you know any any time i'm talking anytime i'm in a space like i don't feel the need to code switch and just like you said i don't have to you like you wear your hair how you want now you dress how you want it's not a feeling but we had to get there yeah like i don't think we always were able to do that like i feel like we always felt a sense of like what this we got to do this the appropriate way right and now Beyonce just showed up at Super Bowl with Black Panther and every well, shirt I day. got say I'm rooting for everybody black so <laughs> basically um, it's it's the whole situation now you Look, know my wardrobe is woke I'm locked in the house but my wardrobe Girl. is woke oh, legendary say, shout out I am a fluent code switcher um, I speak it fluently. I flow between my nine to five to my after hours to my, Hey, Alex, to my, hello, how are you? Um, <laughs> I do still code switch. And I think, I don't, I don't know if it's because I've been conditioned, like, okay, are we chilling at the house with the fam and my friends and I can totally yeah. Or do I need to put on my business owner voice look? But let's talk about code switching. I don't think code switching is necessarily a bad thing. If I walk up to, I think it's more so about code switching is knowing your audience. And I can code switch within, when I was, when we did have an office, within the office, right? When I go up to, um, Brianna, who I work so closely with in Brianna's role, for our listeners who don't know, Brianna is our communications manager. Um, Millennial woman, Brianna, what's up? How was your weekend? Here's what we got to get through. Yeah. Text me if you need me, right? I can't walk into a client's office saying, hey, what's up? How was your weekend? Holler if you need me. So I think code switching is sometimes about self-preservation, but it's also sometimes about knowing your audience and knowing when to speak what language to who, if that makes but sense. That, but do you think, like when you're in front of your white friends, do do you code switch? And do you think they ever have to code switch that their voice at work is not the same as their voice talking to their friends? That is fair, no. So I have some white friends. Um, my white girlfriends from college, 
I don't code switch with them. They get they get the same crystal Alex gets. Yeah, it's yeah. the same crystal that's on this podcast. Um, I don't have to code switch with anybody that I call a friend. I code switch with people who are acquaintances. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put on my more buttons up, you know, comfortable black crystal around them. Um, and who knows, maybe that's a journey I need to explore and not, not do that. Um, I think just who I am, I think I will always code switch from casual outside of work crystal to crystal on the job. Um, just because in my line of work and, and when I either I'm working with or for an organization or for myself, I don't blur the lines between this is work and this is non-work. Yeah. Those, those lines are very distinct. And so I show up as two different characters in that space, but where I can work and where I have worked very hard is not code switching in within those environments, if that makes sense. If I'm going to be- Yeah, like in your personal life. Yeah. You get crystal. But I think what I have to work on there is being authentic crystal to acquaintances, to strangers. Um, I'm authentic crystal 24-7 with people that I'm close to. I do code switch it up on the personal side when I'm, when you're an acquaintance or stranger. That, That makes sense. I'm, and now I'm thinking, I'm like, do I code switch with people that I'm, because I think of it as, because again, this is a conversation me and my aunt had, because I kept telling her, I was like, I don't, I don't feel like I ever code switch. Like, I feel like I always try to talk the same, like I'm the same little hippie <laughs> pretty much every day of my life. I get a little hood around my family because they get me. But most of the time, like, this is how I am, like, with everybody. And then I do have that professional side where I do speak, you know, I have my, like, professional voice where I'm going to speak very clear and I'm going to get you excited and I make sure I'm a salesperson too. So I make sure I'm smiling the whole time and sound excited because I'm selling and I'm excited. So then my voice changes, right? But a lot of the times I'm like, I don't think I code switch, but that's one of those things I'm like, thinking about you Beyonce don't ever her voice sounds the same even if she playing Nala online King okay <laughs> voice is the same in all moments you know and I'm like we I want I think that that's that's like the journey I want to be on. I feel like Issa Rae's the same Michelle Obama's the same way Amanda Seals, is Amanda the Seals. whether she on her trampoline or she going off on people you don't never hear her code switching never and she ain't got the time yeah, like she's just unapod- unapologetic, unapologetically. Yeah, unapologetically Amanda. Yeah, that's. I don't know why that word sound is so off in my brain. <laughs> but, no, that's right. But it's the actual word I know for sure. But um, let's talk about these women that we're talking about are multimillionaires, at least. Yeah. So they have the means to eat and be sheltered and clothed, whether they blackity black black or not. Yeah. Most of the world does not get to operate with that level of financial freedom. And so therefore, um, that's why I said I have my nine to five crystal and then I've got my every other time crystal. Yeah. I have to work to eat and put clothes in shelter 
or put clothes on my child's back and shelter over her head. And so if I did not have that pressure and knowing that most of my clients are not black, most of the candidates that I work with are not black, but those two groups are my lifeline to income. So if that pressure was eliminated, then that would free me up to be my true self and sling black code and say black girl magic and yes queen 24 seven because I no longer am relying on a white person to help funnel money into my business. So I think there's layers to code switching. It's not to say I'm not going to code switch. There's layers upon layers because we operate within these racial, economic, social systems that are built from the perspective of whiteness. And so whether you like it or not, how whiteness perceives you is often how you eat, how you move up or down within our socioeconomic systems, especially in America, how you advance, how you stay stagnant, plateau, whatever the case may be. So you sometimes, most of the world, if you do not have financial freedom, you're going to have to play the game of code switching in order to get to where the Beyonce's, Amanda's, Issa's, Michelle's, and everyone else in their ranks are. But think okay. about and I agree, right? Like, I think that you do, there is that certain element of like doing it to ensure that you're moving forward because we do still struggle and have the systemic racism. But I'm like, think about like Issa Rae, for example, like think about that journey where she started off being her authentic self and doing the Awkward Black Girl series, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, now she's blown up to do Insecure, which is really a spinoff of that, right? And never had to really conform or like step out of the box to not be in her authentic self. And yeah, so it's like- It's true though, because she's playing a character, right? So we don't know- like we know about her in in magazines and different things like that, but how she was in the boardroom, inking that first deal to go from not or yes, uh, a black girl to insecure, we don't know how she showed up then versus how she shows up now. You know what I mean? So I yeah, but I just that like the, the bar was always black, um, and she was hell bent on telling black stories. But how she was behind the scenes to ink the deals to get money flowing into her bank account. We don't know if that person is now showing up differently because she's established. Like, even if we look at Michelle, if we look at Michelle from the first campaign to Michelle today, she is a freer Michelle today because she had to win white voters. White people are the main ones. That's the main racial demographic that votes. She had to play the game, but now that she no longer has to play the game and you saw her more free when they were going around for Obama's second term, she was a more real Michelle, right? Now that she's not required to have a certain perception from the white perspective, Michelle wearing curly hair and bling jeans and living her best South side of Chicago life. Yeah. I guess I just struggle with it because I'm like, you know, growing up being one of those black girls that they would say, you talk white, right? And to me, yeah. that was always one of those, an insult to me, because I'm like, 
no, I just, I'm just talking how I talk, you know, right. like I'm not changing. I don't change my voice in my daily routine. Like I think I'm pretty sure this is just how I talk. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think about that and I'm like, you know, the only time I think is that I'm having to really create a different tone, I guess, is when I'm professionally having to create a different tone so that I'm, you know, strong, stern voice or whatever. I call it my like firm voice, but I'm like, I think it, because things were built, like you said, on this whiteness, like I want the bar basically to change. Like, I don't know how it changes. And I want some answers to how we change what the bar is and what our voices are supposed to be like, you right. know, but right. I'm like, it, it bothers me because I don't want, I want the perception to be that as a black women, we can authentically be ourselves without being told, well, you sound white or um, you're code switching. It's like, yeah. no, we all just like, we're just talking how we talk, you know, yeah. like, but I think it, it's rooted in everything is rooted in slavery. Um, like oh. if you go back even before slavery, how, and I'm a history nerd, how the courts in Europe functioned was everyone had a role. There were no loud outbursts typically. It's very calm. I mean, there was craziness, but there was a way in which you conducted yourself at court, right? Yeah. And then, that was passed out in how you conducted yourselves in the markets, right? You might be bartering and going back and forth, but if you look at the history of European behavior protocol versus if you've ever been to the Middle East and gone to a market there, it's loud, there's a lot of action, there's a lot of yelling and bartering going back and forth. Even if you look in Asian culture, Asian um, communities are notorious for bartering and, and hustling and it's it seems um, angry to someone who doesn't understand that culture, but that's just how they engage. So it's very yeah. different from how European courts and, and behavioral requirements were. And so when the Europeans left and started stealing land and stealing people, they brought that same mindset as to how business should be conducted at that elite level here. Yeah. And so that is how corporate America was established when those Europeaners came over here, or Europeans, Europeaners, Europeans came I over work. here, right, when they came over here and stole this land from the indigenous natives, and they put a new social contract in place as to this is now how you conduct yourself in business situations, and, and this is yeah. those protocols, that has now trickled down to what corporate America is today. But if you look at Black culture, Latin culture, Asian culture, we are loud animated cultures, especially black folk, we loud. That goes against, it's countercultural to corporate America. So until we decrease the amount of European influence in corporate America and increase um, black influences, Latin influences to where corporate American culture looks more like the globe, and not just what Europe looks like. Yeah. Always have to code switch as long as we're relying on corporate America or white people to perceive us in a certain way so we can make a certain amount. Yeah, I feel like that's a very good HR response. 
I'm spitting HR and history facts, okay? It, facts, okay? <laughs> history and HR, like, my girl got it covered. Do you, get your nine to five, sugar. Quit right. playing. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, that's real. That is real. I think that, I again, we probably have different perspectives because we work in different industries. Yeah. And I, my journey, I have been doing a lot of self-reflecting and I care, you know, I care a lot less about, you know, people's perception of me and more so I care that, you know, you see that my identity is shining through as like, especially the things that are important to me, like being a black woman, like that's extremely important to me. And I want that piece of me to show and and for people to acknowledge it and, you know, that that's what I'm representing. Right. So I, I guess I just think about it a lot and I use people, I look at up to people like Beyonce and Michelle Obama and Amanda Seals um, and Tamika Mallory. She's another one that I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Um, And, and Issa Rae, I don't know if I've said that enough in this episode, but I look to them and I'm like, I wonder what that journey was like of being, like you said, in the boardrooms, did they have to code switch or could you just like, can I go in and just use my, what I call again, firm voice that's still authentically my voice that I use every day. And it's, and it translates the same or what, what should I do the code switch and really use what people would call like my white voice. Right. Like, because sadly every black person that every black person has a white voice yes. no matter whether you're the janitor or the ceo there is there's something that w- clicks automatically that we're we trying like, Let's this little white voice <laughs> so we don't scare them off um because the last thing we want to do is make them seem like we're hostile that we're angry you know we're talking clearly in a high-pitched voice slowly um so there's a difference when you say can you please stop that versus stop it see the difference yeah (laughs) no that yep see yep (laughs) so saying the same thing but I have to code switch it because I could come off as an angry black woman yeah hostile but if I say it in a tone and manner that you are comfortable with maybe you will actually stop yeah yeah, I such a conundrum. My it is favorite. a hot mess. It is, girl, because there's so many layers to it, and it's again to figuring out systemic racism, which is a whole yeah. puddle. And I think you know we're in season two now, but even looking back on season one, especially how we ended season one, it's just been very interesting to see how the conversation about race seeps into everything, everything. Like just looking back um, over, you know, we've done several episodes, but race can pop up very easily in any conversation, whether we're talking about fashion or brides or obviously um, being an ally or we're not using ally anymore. Race just pops up everywhere because in American society, our foundation was entrenched in differentiating people by race. And so everything that we know from healthcare to education to prison system, everything is entrenched in race. Um, 
which is sad, um, but also freeing that if we can just find the magic button to undo all of the racial issues, how much freer we would be and how many more systems that would write. Yeah, no, I think that that, um, I think that makes sense. It's just, it's so hard because you have to start with the mentality, you know, and I think changing people's mentality is hard and it's a sad truth. I've seen this somewhere or I was reading this. I've been reading so much stuff. I can't remember where, but they were talking about, um, you know, certain things like things that are a part of black culture, not being acceptable until other cultures take it and, yes. and decide that it's acceptable. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that that has been the way things have gone, even with like bodies, right. Yeah. Black women been having, curvy body, big butt thing, whatever, but it really wasn't a wave until someone like Kim Kardashian decides that that's cool. And I think that that's another thing that I'm like, the black women's journey in general, we have to start, you know, protecting those parts of our culture and not having to wait for, for the masses to say it's okay for us to do it. And I think that goes along with having to change our voices. Like we should all just be like, no, I think the hair thing is one instance where, you know, we've taken action on it. But I mean, it's even sad that they had to pass a law that was like, people can wear braids. Like, that's weird. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think that code switching falls into that too. Like, it should eventually be, we don't need people to adopt um, using uh, different tones or whatever for it to be acceptable. Like. Yeah we just should be able to be our authentic selves in all sense, like all scenes. Yeah. And it be, that's who they are, not they're talking white, they're code switching for this. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, like you said, maybe when we get to the Beyonce, Michelle Obama level, <laughs> it <laughs> ain't no code that. switching at the boardroom, but we got a, we got a ways to go for sure. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, I have hope. Conversations yeah. like these, conversations that this episode will spark. Hopefully our yeah. listeners will take this and even, you know, put it in their war chest, just pass it on. So if they're uncomfortable having a conversation about code switching or the journey that Black women have to go on to being their true authentic selves, that they can use this episode as um, a learning tool to teach other people about it. And the more people are aware that this exists, I bet you if we took a poll of white people in America, they wouldn't know what the hell code switching is. But if we no. took that same poll and put it in the black community, everybody knows what code switching is. Um, so I think the more conversations like this that we're having, um, the more educating or the more education um, we're doing for people, especially white people, um, because yeah. this yeah. is their burden too. Um, it's their great grandfathers that put us in this mess. It's their job to make sure that their great grandchildren aren't still unraveling this BS. So yeah. the more we educate, the more conversations we have on this, um, maybe there's hope that in our lifeline, our lifetimes or in our children's lifetimes, they won't have to have these types of conversations. I'm hopeful, but I'd love to hear what everybody else 
thinks about this and how often they code switch, maybe let's put out a poll, if you will. Oh, yeah. Let's a do a little poll. survey. On um, Insta? <laughs> yes, yeah, something. I think that'd be fun. Let's, let's like, figure that. out how many of the people, like, because I feel like white people don't ever code switch. Mm-mm. They ain't got to. They don't got like, to. Like, they never, like, if you think about it, like, how, like, what would they code switch to? I don't even know. I'm interested in that too. I kind of want to know. Do white like, people do their voices? Switch? Yeah. Do really? Or do, do they people... try to talk slang when they're around black people? Oh, don't do that, white people. To our white listeners, we don't like it. We don't, we don't like, like that. that. Don't do that. Hey, yeah. hey, sister, don't don't do that. Okay. Sister I has you become like the word. Stop it. And and sis. Sis, don't do that. See, I call everybody sister. But see, that's a, that's black privilege. See what yeah. I'm that oh, that is that's right. You just saved a white girl from getting slapped. Don't walk up to me talking about hey sis. Oh, don't do that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to get some white people in trouble because I definitely <laughs> not. I'm like, hey sister, what's that? Like that. Sister yeah. is for black women. That is what we call each other. It's even rooted in our sorority groups. Yeah, like soror, which means sister. That is a cultural thing. That I was out here just giving the sister title to any and everybody. Girl, everybody is sister. Stop. Mm-mm. <laughs> I got to do better, but these are those things. This is just a part of my journey. It's a part of your journey. I'm literally just, you know, fixing my little journey over here. Let me trying to learn you. something. Learn, honey. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, we'll do a poll to see who code switches, who doesn't. That'll be good. Um, but hit us up in the comments. Let us know your thoughts. And we'll see you next week. This is Allie J. And I'm Crystal O. And that's it for this week. Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 12 p.m. Central for another episode of Not Your Token Black Girl. And also be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google. And follow me at Basic Alley on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at The Crystal O. Cuando cambia el piso, cambia toda la habitación. Acceda a mayores ahorros para el piso de sus sueños ahora mismo en El Florin. Ahorre hasta 500 dólares sobre nuestros precios bajos. Con una compra mínima de 1,500 dólares, recibirá una tarjeta de regalo Visa Digital. Visite elelcashback.com para acceder a los detalles. Elija nuestra selección de pisos de calidad y obtenga financiación especial. Lambert Liquidators es ahora El Florin. Two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious. Say hello to Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important.